Well, good morning. Um, <clears throat> my name is Tim Jones, and I'm one of the pastors here on staff. And we're so glad that you are here today. Uh, Happy New Year. Welcome to 2013. If you can't believe it, it is here already. Uh, I hope that you had a great Christmas. I hope that you had a good New Year's. And I hope you were able to celebrate our new holiday, the end of the earth. Uh, yeah, that happened. I don't know if it did really happen, but, uh, you know, it's kind of cool that on cable uh, at my parents' house, they had like all-day marathon of -of end-of-the-world type movies and stuff like that. So it came, it happened, but welcome to 2013 anyways. Uh, Today, I'd like to start with a little bit of a New Year's quiz for us, so I need you to answer out loud. That's allowed. Um, So what I would like to do is ask you a question and have you respond to it. And the question is, what are some of the New Year's resolutions that people make? Eating healthy, yep. Lose weight, weight. stop smoking. Exercise, good. What else? Save Save money, that's a good one, right? Everybody wants a little bit more money. Did I hear grow hair? Oh, oh, I thought somebody said grow hair. That's for Trent, you know, I mean, grow some hair. It looks like some of you need to grow some hair. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, What else is out there? Closer to God. Awesome. That's great. You bet. Well, if you haven't thought about this year yet, today I want us to focus on this year because there are a lot of things that you will do. There are a lot of things that you could do this year. There are a lot of things that you won't do this year, but there is something that you've got to do this year, okay? And as I've grown up, as I've gotten older in life, I've learned how to accomplish a lot of things. I've also learned how not to accomplish a lot of things. Earlier in life, I started out as a great procrastinator, and then I've moved to the other side of the spectrum of being a great list follower. So by a raise of hands, how many procrastinators are out there? Raise your hand. If they're not raising your hand, you can point at them. That is allowed, okay? All right. How many list followers do I have out there? Raise your hands. Okay. Procrastinators, stick out your tongues at them. Okay. Awesome. (laughs) But anyways, no matter what camp that you are in, uh, we all need to make this one decision. And the decision that I want to focus on today is that we need to make the decision to work on this one thing that we've got to do. Okay. Now that one thing is different for all of us. We have different backgrounds. We have different circumstances. We have different lives, different values, different uh, financial situations, uh, different families that we were raised in and everything. So for all of us, that one thing is different. But for all of us, that one thing also will benefit all of us. Your life will be better off other people's lives will be better off if we were all to do that one thing from now. So if we did that thing right now, 12 months later, our lives would be better off. Even potentially six months later, our lives would be better off as well. And so if we were able to focus on that, for most of us, this isn't new, okay? We know what we need to do. Uh, Maybe someone has suggested it to us several times and we've kind of ignored them or something. Um, But it's the one thing that you know you've got to do, okay? I don't know what it is. Maybe you've tried it before and you failed. Maybe you got off track. Maybe you lost focus or something like that. But here's the thing that I do know. We all have got to do it this year, including myself, okay? It's too important. So if it hasn't come to mind yet, I have kind of my list for you. So for you list lovers, you're going to love this. For you procrastinators, think of this as like, you know, a couch or something. I don't know. Um, But we are going to focus on this one thing. I'm going to take a shot at it, okay? And then we're going to turn to this great story in the Bible to help us out with this one thing. So here we go, the list. It could be a habit. And I don't have to tell you what the habit is. We know what 
the habit is. It's got to be broken this year, and we know that it needs to be broken. If there was a, like this magic button and we could press it like the staple button or something, and 12 months from now it would be gone, we would have pressed that button, okay? Uh, for some of us, it might be a financial goal or something like that. We want to save some more money and then uh, because it would make life easier, or we want to get out of financial debt, and there'd be a lot less stress in our lives as well. Uh, For some of us, it concerns a relationship or something like that. Uh, We know that there's this relationship that needs to be fixed, that needs to be mended, so our lives are better off, their lives are better off, or there's a relationship that we need to get out of, and we've been dragging our feet, and we know we've got to get out of this relationship, but it's hard because it's a relationship, okay? There's emotions in that. Or maybe for some of us... um, Our goal is a spiritual goal. Maybe we want to grow closer to God. Maybe we want to read our Bibles more. Maybe we want to um, pray more. Or maybe we have some doubts about God, and we need to resolve those doubts about him this year. So maybe your one thing concerns family. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's health. Maybe it's education. Whatever it is. So maybe I've hit your list. Uh, Maybe you made it on there. Maybe I didn't hit what's on that list or something like that. But the thing is, we all know what that one thing is. It's that thing that just kind of lingers. It just kind of hangs over us. And here's the thing. Some of us are struggling. Well, doesn't my one thing have to be like related to God or God thing or something like that? And here's what we need to understand. Everything involves our relationship with God. Everything is spiritual and he cares about them. And so we just need to work on it this year. And when we do, we're going to see some amazing things happen in our lives. Now, if that one thing hasn't come to mind yet, okay, as we go through this story, my prayer for you is that it will come to mind. For some of you, you have like 50 things, 100 things, you know, 10 things, 8 things that you want to accomplish. And I hope that you would take those things and reduce it down to one thing. Because if we were able to do that one thing and put it behind us this year, your life would be better off. My life would be better off. Other people's lives would be better off. And your relationship with God would be better off. So if you would, would you take a Bible? If you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles at the end of each of the sections there. And would you turn with me to Nehemiah uh, chapter 2, verse 1 in your Bibles. And if you're using one of the Bibles from the back, it is on page 371. So if you don't, want, don't have one, go and grab one real fast. And if you don't own a Bible, please feel free to take one of those as well. Um, No one's looking, okay? You can take them. They're free. So, all right. Today, I want to start off with this story. And the reason I want to start out with the story, because it's going to lead up to this very important verse. And my hope is, with this one verse, my heart's desire is that this verse will connect to the one thing that you've got to do this year, okay? And when it happens, six months from now, 12 months from now, I want you to be able to look back and say, thank you, God. Thank you for putting this verse in my life. So let's begin our story with the story of Nehemiah, and it's found, again, chapter 2, verse 1. So early the following spring, in the month of Nisan, during the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I, that's Nehemiah, was serving the king his wine. I had never before appeared sad in his presence. So let me kind of give you some background to the story here. Uh, This story happens 444 BC. Uh, King Artaxerxes, he is the king over the Persian Empire, which stretches from about modern-day Turkey, the northern part of Egypt, all the way over to almost India, okay? And 
Nehemiah were introduced to him, he is the cupbearer to the king. And his job was to taste the wine and to make sure that it wasn't poison and then serve it directly to the king. Sounds like a fun job, right? Um, so that was his job, but he, he was more than that. He was uh, an official. He was in a confidant. He was potentially even a friend to the king because it was such an important role for the king. And so here, we also need to know that uh, Nehemiah was a Jew, okay? And about 100 years prior to this, the Babylonians kind of ruled almost the same amount of area as the Persians did. And the Babylonians had conquered the Jewish people. Uh, what was remaining was Jerusalem, their main city, and Jerusalem was conquered, and its walls were torn down, its temple was torn down, and all the Jews were just carted off, okay? So they had no more land, they had no more city, and uh, many people were trying to come back over hundreds and hundreds of years ago to rebuild Jerusalem, but it wasn't happening. And then in Nehemiah's day, there were some recent events of some Jews trying to rebuild the city. And he gets some bad news that it's not going well, and it breaks his heart. It breaks his heart because it's his city that he's never known. It breaks his heart because it's his people. And it breaks his heart because his people have almost forgotten about their God. And so he gets this idea, and he prays to God, and he says, give me favor with the king. I'm going to make this request, which was like a, a big no-no in the day. You did not, as a slave, make requests to the king. Okay? So that's where we're going to pick up. Verse uh, <clears throat> 2 the king asked me, why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. Then I was terrified, but I replied, long live the king. How can I not be sad? For the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins and the gates have been destroyed by fire. Now let's kind of pause there for a moment. Let's kind of, we need to understand what's going on, get our heads around this. Back then, your city represented your nation's power and pride, okay? If you didn't have a city, you did not have an identity. So imagine with me, if New Yorkers did not have New York City, what would they have? They would have Palm Coast, or they would have any other <laughs> town with a pizza place. No. But think about it. Whenever you run into a New Yorker, they reminisce about the city, even though they kind of couldn't stand it or whatever, and they moved away from it, and they're down here now in Palm Coast. They still reminisce about the city and the way of life, okay? So for the Jewish people, they had no city. They did not understand what it was like to be Jewish, okay? They had no identity. They almost had forgotten about their God. And so that is what is breaking uh, Nehemiah's heart, is for his people, to have their own city, to have an identity, to remember who their God was. So let's uh, pick up in verse 4 and see this response from the king to this bold request from Nehemiah. The king asked, well, how can I help you? Now this is huge, okay? The king, instead of like carting them off, says, how can I help you? And Nehemiah says, with a prayer to the God of heaven, I replied, if it please the king, and if you are pleased with me, your servant, Send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. And the king with the queen sing beside him asked, How long will you be gone? When will you return? And after I told him how long I would be gone, the king agreed to my request. This is amazing, okay? No slave makes a request to the king. No slave gets time off. He's not an employee. And no slave asks for this enormous task to be done. But yet, 
the king responds positively. Not only does he respond positively, he makes Nehemiah the governor of the region. And he says, do whatever you want. Here, give, here's all the supplies that you will need. Take whatever you need. As long as you come back, we're good. So God answers his prayer, and Nehemiah knows now what's the one thing that he's got to do. So uh, I'm going to kind of summarize the next uh, couple chapters because a lot takes place. So here's what happens in the next several chapters. Nehemiah gets all the things that he needs, all the building supplies, all the materials. He's got this plan. He goes back to Jerusalem. Remember, for uh, about 100 years, there's been Jews who've been kind of wandering back to Jerusalem. They've never been there with a city. There's other people in the region now. There's these warlords in the region who are doing as they please. They steal from the Jews. They make the Jews work for them. Uh, some of them are indebted to these guys and everything, and so the situation is kind of bleak, okay? These people have no city, they have no identity, and no one is protecting them, and they've almost forgotten about their God. So Nehemiah shows up, and he takes a couple days to investigate what's going on and talking to people. Then he goes out for an entire night and surveys the entire city, and he comes back and he makes this assessment, and he says, you know, the greatest thing that I could do is to build the wall around Jerusalem. Now, that's a major task, okay? And if I build this wall, it will offer protection for my people, it will give them a sense of national identity, and it will begin to help their economic recovery because these guys won't be stealing everything that they get for themselves. And so this was very important. And so he cast this unbelievable vision to the people and said, let's do it. I've got the permission, I've got the supplies, I've got the materials, and the people sign on, and they start to work, and they start to work, and they start to build. And then all of these warlords start to take notice. And the opposition says, uh-oh, what is going on? We're starting to lose a little bit of our workforce. Uh-oh, what's going on? We're starting to lose a little bit of our economy. What if, what if these guys build this wall? Will they be their own people? Will they be their own power? Will they be in control of us? Will they raise an army up? We've got to do something about it. And so Sanballat, the leader of the opposition, he gets all his guys together and says, let's you know, mess this thing up. And so he gets all these pe people to go into the city, his spies, and they start to spread rumors. They start to discourage the people, but yet nothing happens. The people don't listen to them. And then he all of a sudden raises up an army to try to make them stop the work. And Nehemiah instead says, guys, this is what we're going to do. Not only do you carry a hammer, but you carry your sword. So you're working with your hammer and you got your hand on your sword, okay? We are ready. And if they come at us, we're going to fight. And so the opposition just continues to get discouraged. They try to keep doing different things to stop the work, and it doesn't work. And all of a sudden, Sanballat comes up with one more idea to discourage Nehemiah and to discourage the people. So that's where we're going to pick up. If you would, turn to chapter 6, a couple pages over, on page 374, and here's what's going to happen from the opposition. So Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies found out that I had finished rebuilding the wall, and that no gaps remained, though we had not yet set up the doors and the gates. That's important. So Sanballat and Geshem sent a message asking me to meet them at one of the villages in the plain of Ono. So basically, this is what happens. Nehemiah's up on that wall. He's building. He's focusing on these gates. A messenger comes, and the message pretty much says like this. Okay, Nehemiah, you've won. All right, great job. You rebuilt the wall. Would you come out? Would you talk to us? Let's talk about our relationship going forward. Let's do lunch. Let's do coffee. Let our people talk to your people and all those types of things. 
And Nehemiah, he knows exactly what they're trying to do. If he goes outside of the city, they're going to kill him. If they kill him, then all the people will get discouraged. And they will say, oh no, we, what are we going to do? And all these types of things. So Nehemiah sends back this message. And what comes next is this verse. And this verse is so important. It will make a dramatic impact in our lives. And when opposition comes up against us, as we try to do this one thing that we've got to do, we can say this verse. This verse, when we encounter a discouragement in life, we can say this one verse because it is so important. So this is what Nehemiah said to them uh, in verse 3. He says, so Nehemiah said, I am engaged in a great work, so I can't come down. And I love how it's said in another translation, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Would you say that with me? I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Say it again. I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. One more time. I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. So the opposition continues to send over and over and over these messengers. And Nehemiah keeps on saying to them, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Now here's what's important for us. Here's the significance behind this, okay? When Nehemiah faced this opposition, if he had come down off of that wall, they would have killed him. And there are so many things in our lives that we've got to do. And if we don't finish, it has the potential to destroy our lives. It has the potential to destroy the lives around us. Why do you think that one thing keeps on hanging over you. Who do you think that comes from? God is so concerned about that one thing that we've all got to do in our lives. No matter how small it might seem or know how big it is, God cares for us and he cares about that one thing. And so, so some of us, we've been like down off that wall, okay? And we need to get up on that wall and just like Nehemiah, we need to say this one thing. We need to say, I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. Now, here's what I'm going to do, okay? I'm going to push, I'm going to prod a little bit, okay? Because I know how many times I don't go through on my New Year's resolutions, and I have a one thing that I need to do this year as well. And you have something that you need to do. And it's important for you. It's important for others. And it's important for your relationship with God. So for some of you, it is a habit. And that habit has got to go, okay? This year has got to be the year that it goes bye-bye, okay? It might be something like alcohol, and it has been in your life, and it has been a struggle. And the reason it's a struggle and the reason that you need to do something about it is someone has finally taken the risk to say you drink too much, and that took a lot. Our culture does not like to confront people. And so if someone has said that, you need to take that advice. You need to do it for yourself and do it for your family. Now, some of you, you are in so much financial debt that your best friend is the repo man, okay? All right, you need to give it back, 
all right? You need to sell it off and you need to move in with your mama, okay? And if she won't take you, you need to move in with your spouse's mama, okay? And if she won't take you in, you just need to move in with somebody's mama, okay? All right, whatever it takes, you need to get out of debt this year. You need to say, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. I'm going to get up on that ladder and I'm going to make sure that I get out of debt. Now, for some of you, it's your health. And a spouse had said something to you. A doctor has said something. You've left that doctor. You went to another doctor. You went to a third doctor, okay? It's your health, all right? You need to do something about your health this year. You need to say, I am doing a great work and I'm going to stop ignoring people and I am going to make sure that I'm not coming down until this year, until it's done, okay? Now, for some of you men, you've got like 10 hobbies out there, okay? You need to reduce those hobbies down because here's what I want you to imagine. You have a wife. You have a child. They need to be your great work. You need to reduce the amount of hobbies down to maybe one hobby. And then you need to talk to your wife and say, when can I do that hobby? And that's a good thing because your greater work is your relationship with your wife. Your greater work is your relationship with your child. And some of you ladies, tonight, you need to go home. And when your children go to bed, you need to just walk in there, walk on over, sit down on their bed as they're sleeping, and you need to look at them. And you need to say, this is my great work. I am not coming down. And this child needs me. That PTA board member, or whatever they call it nowadays, doesn't need me that club or whatever it is, it doesn't need you. Your child needs you. That's your great work. For some of you, you've been in a relationship and it's been like going nowhere, you know, and you've been in that relationship and been in that relationship and it is going nowhere, folks, okay? So you need to get out of that relationship. I know it's painful. I know it's messy, okay? I know how strong relationships are. I know the emotions behind them, but enough is enough, okay? You need to focus on your relationship with God, and you need to say time out from relationships potentially. And you need to say, I am doing a great work here. He is restoring me and working on some things that need to be worked on. And I'm going to leave this relationship at this point. For some of you, you are doubters, okay? You're doubters about God. And you've just been sitting out there and saying, okay, God, you know, you got to answer my question. You got to answer my question. You got to answer my question. But yet you haven't done the work. Do the work this year. Do the research. Look it up in scripture. There's tons of resources out there. Find your answers. Climb up on that wall. Family might not understand. Other people might not understand. Your friends might not understand. But you need to say, I am doing a great work and I'm not coming down until I have my answers. So make this year the year that you get your answers. Do the research. Do the work. For some of us, we have a lot of things, okay? But I want you to reduce it down to one thing. Because we all have gaps in our walls. We all need to repair something this year. We all need to focus on that one thing that we've got to do this year. Don't let another year go by and regret it. Make this the year. Decide. And when you make a decision to work on that one thing, something amazing is going to happen six months from now. Something amazing is going to happen 12 months from now. When you decide to not work on all these other things that you could work on, and you focus in 2013 on that one thing that you know you've got to do, it will make a huge difference in your life, and you will be so glad that you worked on that one thing. And here's what happened with Nehemiah. 
when they completed the wall, the opposition did not praise Nehemiah for completing the wall. Instead, it is recorded that they recognized that God had done a great work. And when you do this one thing that you need to do this year, you will recognize that God has done a great work within you and that God has been with you during that entire time. And you will know him and you will see his hand and he will say, great job. And so what I'd like us to do is all of us need to work on our one thing. And what I've done is there is a card that is on your seat. I would like you to turn to the side that says this one thing, okay? And there's some pins out there. And what I'd like you to do is go ahead, and if you're not a big writer, just put one word that represents what that one thing is that you need to focus on this year. So go ahead and write that down. And then what I'd like you to do is we are going to put up Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 3. And on the bottom of that card, I want you to write down this verse, okay? I want you to write down, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. And I would like you, every time something happens, I want you to commit this verse to memory. So when life happens, and it will, and you get discouraged, you can say, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. When opposition comes your way, and it will come your way, you can say, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. When everything around you gets you tired and weary of doing the one thing that you know you need to do, you can say, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. And it will be a great thing. And you will be happy. And you will be so glad that you've put that one thing finally behind you. Okay? Now, when Nehemiah, he didn't uh, finish the wall by himself. He actually had like thousands of people working on the wall with him. Okay? And around here, we believe wholeheartedly in doing life with one another. And we need like jogging partners. We need accountability partners. We need to be sharing our lives with other people because God designed us to be in a relationship with him and with others. If one is not in our lives, then we're not doing the right thing, okay? So what we need to do, if you would, turn your card to the back. And I want to tell you about the group environments that we have here at Epic. And if you're not a part of them, I'd say jump into them. So let me describe what we have here at Epic as in a few weeks, we're going to be having signups for these environments. So the first one is starting point. We want everyone to jump into starting point. So if you have your doubts about God and you want to ask questions and everything like that, this is a great place to do that. It's a 10-week conversational small group environment where you explore the story of God and begin to experience community. And so in that place, it's a safe environment to be able to ask your questions. If you've been walking with Christ for a long time, we all have these little gaps in our lives that we don't really realize, but yet when you go through that, and it's only 10 weeks, so we give it as a bite-sizable chunk there, you will see, wow, I didn't understand that about God. And I've heard other people's stories and I've been encouraged how I can encourage other people as well. And so that's why we want everyone to jump through starting point. And then after that, we want everybody to jump into Next Step, which is our seven-week conversational small group environment that talks about this journey that God has us on and what to expect as we walk with God. And it tells us how to have a relationship with him and how to have a relationship with other people as well. And so it's a great place to dive into after you've gone through starting point. And from there, we are 
saying a new name for this. It used to be small groups, but now we're going to call them community groups, okay? We want you to jump into a community group. And how you do that is by attending an event called GroupLink. And that's going to be happening at the end of this month, coming on January 27th. So January 27th is a big day. After each service, we're going to have a little sign-ups for Starting Point Next Step. And then that evening, we're going to have GroupLink. If you've been through Starting Point Next Step, we want you to jump into a community group. And what's a community group? Community group is about 10 people that come together and they say, we're going to work on a relationship with God and we are really going to do life together. And so we're going to study the Bible together. We're going to pray together and it's going to be a place where you belong. And it's an unbelievable time. I've been in groups for a good portion of my life and it is amazing. And what we want you to do is that one thing that you've put down on this card, as you get to know somebody, we want you to tell them about that. And we want them to be praying for you and you praying for them. That's how we're supposed to do life together. And so would you uh, participate in one of those groups? Now, I have two other group environments I want to tell you about that are a little more specialized. One is Financial Peace University. So if finances have had mastery over you, it's time to get mastery over them. And I came from a family that did not do finances very well. And so I've learned tons about finances because they didn't do so hot. And so basically, this is a place where you can, for 10 weeks, learn about finances. If you have a grip on finances but want to learn more, it would be great for you to jump into there. So we're going to offer that a couple times this year. And if you're interested, sign up online. Go to our groups tab where all these environments are at and sign up for that. And then we'll put together a group later on this year. And then finally, I want to tell you about Lifeline, which is our partnership with another ministry, okay? If you have some habit that you just need to break, and this is the year that you want to break it, okay? It could be anger issues. It could be bitterness. It could be relationships. It could be um, drinking. It could be drugs. It could be a a past hurt that you haven't gotten over or or some trauma that happened. This is a great place to go. And they are open every Friday night, and you can just show up. They have a little bit of a worship time. They talk a little bit, and they break up into groups where people support you as you work on this one thing. And it's amazing. I've been there. I've met the leaders, and it is a good thing that we've partnered with Lifeline to do this. So would you make this the year that you overcome that habit and have people in your life? And from there, if you want to go further with them, they have a 12-month step uh, group that you can be a part of as well. And so that's what we would love for you to do. Again, we need encouragement along the way. We need to climb up on that wall and we need to say, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. And when you do that, you will be better off. Your family will be better off. We will be better off. And your relationship with God will be better off. And so would you commit to doing that great work that we all need to do this year. So let's pray. Father, uh, we thank you for today. We thank you for who you are. We thank you that, God, you place people in our lives to stir up some things that you're trying to stir up into our hearts and into our lives. As people have said some of these things that we know that we need to do, it's the one thing that has been on our minds, and that comes from you, God, because you deeply, deeply care about us. And so, Father, I just pray that we will make this commitment to you. God, I pray that your hand would be seen in the time of this year that we work on this. And six months from now, 12 months from now, we will turn back and we will say, God, thank you. 
Thank you for doing a great work within me. Thank you for doing a great work with me. And thank you so much, God, for what you have done in our lives. And I pray that this year for all of us will be a great 2013. And when opposition comes and when tough times come, God, we will be able to say, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. And there will be people with us who will surround us, who will encourage us to keep going, to pray for us, to come over in those times that we need to talk to someone. And so, Father, you designed us to have a relationship with you, and you designed us to be in relationship with each other. And it's amazing how this world wants to destroy those things. And so, Father, would you be with us? Would we commit this year to doing the one thing that you would have us to do? And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I hope that the reality of that song echoes in your mind all year long. The reality that God is with you. No matter what you face in 2013, God is already with you. Scripture teaches that God goes before us, he comes behind us, and he is with us. So no matter what direction you head this year, God is already there. So I'm glad that you're here. I'll go ahead and let you have a seat this morning. Thanks for being here. Did everybody have a, a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year? You did? All right. Well, um, just so you know, you may not be aware that there are, I think it's 353 more days till Christmas. My kids started to tell me the day after Christmas how many days we had left. So I had to say, all right, get your seatbelts on. It's going to be a long year, folks. So I hope that you had a great Christmas season. I hope that you're ready for the new year. We've got a lot of things going on here at Epic that we start our year off with. So I want to tell you a little bit about that. First off, we have our international mission trips that are coming up this summer. And what's important about that right now is now's the time to sign up. Now's the time for us to start having our meetings about the trips that we're going to be taking and getting the information out. So if you have never been on an international mission trip before, I've got a message from you, from Jesus, okay? It's from Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 19. This is Jesus speaking. He's talking with his disciples right before he goes back to heaven. And he says, therefore, go to Guatemala and Costa Rica in 2013. Okay, it doesn't say that. It does say, go and make disciples of all the nations. Jesus was passionate about this, that everyone in the entire world should have an opportunity to come to know Jesus personally. And so he said, if you're a follower of mine, I want you to go. I want you to go all around the world. So if you've never been on an international mission trip, my hope and prayer at one point in your life is that you will do that, that you will step outside of your comfort zone, you'll go on an international trip, and you'll learn how to serve a world that needs Jesus. Now, obviously, we need Jesus here too. So there's lots to do around here in the States. But coming this summer, we're going to take three international trips. We have two going to Guatemala and then one going to Costa Rica. And on January the 20th, after both of our services in the morning, we're going to have an information meeting. So if you're interested in going on one of our trips, I encourage you to hang out and get the information about that. If you're not interested in going on one of our trips, I encourage you to come and hang out and get the information about these trips and be praying about your involvement in that this upcoming year. 
Now, the next thing that we typically do over the past three years, what we've done is we've taken January and set January aside as a time where we say, God, we're going to give you the first portion of the year. And there's something in the Bible, a principle called first fruits. So God says, listen, when it comes to first things that you get, set those things aside, give them back to me in recognition that they came from me. And so what we typically do is we take January and say, January, you know, God, this is yours. We're going to focus on our relationship with you. We're going to give the first portion of the year to you, trusting you're going to take care of the rest of the year. And so next week, we're going to start a series called Not a Fan. And in that series, we're going to examine what the difference is between being a fan of Jesus and being a true follower of Jesus. There are a lot of fans of Jesus out there. But that's not exactly what Jesus came for. Jesus didn't come to die on the cross to build a fan club. He came to model for us what it means to follow him. So we're going to look at that in that series. And a part of that series that we're going to do is a 21-day fast. And if you're not familiar with fasting, you should have gotten when you came in a little, little piece of paper like this. If you have that, I ask you to grab that for just a moment. If you're not familiar with biblical fasting... It means to abstain from food for spiritual reasons. And you may be thinking, you know, is there ever a good reason to abstain from food, especially when we come out of the holidays? Maybe you're thinking, well, maybe it'd be a good time now after the holidays. But as we start this new year, a great way to begin the year, a great way to focus our relationship with God is to engage a fast. And so for 21 days, we're going to set that aside and walk through this, this fast, focusing more attention on God. Now, there are all kinds of ways for you to engage a fast. Um, fasting always involves food in the Bible. If you read through the Bible, it always involves giving up food of some sort. And so I encourage you to process through that. Like what food item, what thing could be anything from dessert, um, could be, there are those that go to the, to the end of not having uh, solid food at all, and they'll do a liquid fast during that time frame. There are so many different ways to engage a fast. We actually have some information on our website that will guide you through that in, in getting prepared for that. So the information is on that little sheet. Go to our website, theepicchurch.com, and look under our resources tab. Now, the two big things I want you praying about in relation to that is what are you fasting for and what are you fasting from? So the four part is, is there something in your world, something in your life that you would really like to see God do? this year? Something maybe you'd really like to see changed or something you just like, God, I'd just love if you would just do this thing in my world this year. Or maybe in someone else's life. You know, maybe there's a physical uh, healing issue that someone needs, or maybe there's something going on in someone else's world, and you're willing in this 21 days to say, God, I'm going to put them on my front burner. I'm going to pray for them every day during these 21 days. So what would it be for you? What do you what are you fasting for? And then what are you fasting from? So what is it that you would say, I'm willing to give this thing up? Don't say broccoli, okay? Because that's what my kids pick every year. And I'm like, all right, that's off the table. You hate broccoli anyway. So if it's not a big deal to you, guess what? It's not a big deal to God. So it needs to be a big deal in your world. Something that you go, you know what? This is a significant thing for me. And God, I'm willing to give this up during these 21 days to focus more on you. Now, one of the things that um, we talk about each week here is this thing called giving. 
And we encourage you to give of your time, talents, and resources here at Epic. And if you call this your church home, there are several ways to, to give of your resources. You, you can give online at our website, or you can give through one of our giving boxes here. And the deal about giving is that our God is a, a great giver, and he gives us constantly things. I mean, every day that you wake up, there's new mercy, new grace that's given to you, that's given to me. So God gives us all kinds of things. He says, listen, I want you to become more like me. So when you give, you're actually becoming more like me. So I encourage you in whatever situation that you're in to learn how to give, learn how to become a bigger giver and learn how to become more like God. Now, if you are a guest with us, if you're new with us, I encourage you before you leave today, stop by our Connection Center and pick up, um, we've got a little packet of information there, tell you a little bit more about our church family, and uh, you can uh, take that with you today. And we're so glad that you've chosen to be here with us. If you would, join me in prayer, and then we'll start our service. God, I thank you so much for the opportunity, Lord, that we have to gather and uh, as a church family, pray and study scripture together and grow, grow in our relationship with you and grow in our relationship with each other. And Lord, as we start a new year, there's always an opportunity for us to experience new things. The new year always feels a little fresh, a little new, a little little exciting. And Lord, it always reminds me of, of your new mercy that's new every day for us. So Lord, thank you for the grace and mercy that you pour out for us. And Lord, I pray that through today's message that you would teach us, Lord, what the one thing is that you want us to focus on all year long. As as Tim is gonna share with us this morning, there are so many things that we get involved in, so many distractions that we have out there that we can't do them all. And sometimes in order to accomplish more, we've gotta focus on one thing. We've gotta learn how to do less so that we can do more. So Lord, I pray that you would speak powerfully to all of us today about that one thing. In Jesus' name, amen. 